Heavenly Father Yahweh, we thank you for um, letting us gather here tonight. Father, we pray as we go through your word that you reveal your word to us, Father. Let us have eyes to see and ears to hear. We thank you, Father, for everything that you do. We pray for the sick, the needy, the poor, the hungry, the widow, the orphan. We pray for the world to repent, come back to your ways. Father, we pray that you just give us what we need, not what we want. Just give us our daily bread, Father. Forgive us for our sins, our iniquity. And we praise you, Father, for all that you've done. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life for us on the tree. And we pray that you just guide us and disciple us daily. But uh, as we go through this tonight, Father, once again, I pray that you just guide us. Through Yeshua's name, we pray to you, Yahweh, the Elohim of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Amen. 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 All right, where are we starting at, Dustin? We're going to start by me getting my Bible. <laughs> that would be key. I got like 15 over here. We're going to stick with the... Yeah, did you send Bird of Fire? Huh? You send Bird of Fire? The flyer. Yeah. I can, the... I can share it to the screen if you want. I don't yeah, understand. Share it to the screen. I don't understand what you're saying. The tour portion flyer? Oh, no, I didn't. I'm sorry. Wow, you're slacking. Slacking. My bad. <laughs> bad. Um, sorry. That way he knows what we're going through. Took two naps. That's not okay. Well, I told him that we go through, like, we just go through the scriptures. And then, uh, so, yeah, that's that's what we're going over, Bird. Made this sent. I'm trying to get it. There we go. Every week, it's a. Uh, what is the topic of the entire thing? Well, so really, go ahead, explain it, Michael. So basically, okay, so um, worldwide, most messianics or even Judaism usually do a thing called Torah portions. We don't follow. We're not Judaism or really considered messianic per se, but we do follow the Torah portions because it's a good practice. So basically, we go through the Torah portion, right? So we go through a portion of the Torah, which will be like Leviticus 12 through Leviticus 13, like those two chapters tonight. And then we go through the half Torah, which would be like Prophets, books of Kings, Chronicles, Judges, all those books. And then we go to the New Testament, right, which we call the Brit Hadashah. So we go through that. And then after we go through those, um, which... Dustin might skip around. He might go through them in a different sequence because they might line up better that way. Then we go into extra biblical books too, but sometimes he might go through those in a different time. All depends. But that's basically how we do it. That way you're getting the understanding through the whole book because the Bible set up like a spider web. So you're going to have things in different places and you have to untwine that spider web. That's why... Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I got you. That's why I heard the other day I was jumping around, you know, because yeah. you, you can't just stay in one book. It all makes sense. It's told by different perspectives of different people, but they're all telling the same story. But to reiterate, like when Jesus in in Isaiah 53, he's or he stood up for the read and he said, this has been fulfilled to you today. So he would go kind of kind of like do Torah portions. They would go over every week. I mean, every year they'd go over these these same verses every year. And every year you're, you're going to learn something different. 
Yep. Every year comes up to something different. And it's a little bit more knowledge about God. You know, so you're basically reading the same text over and over, but it's amazing that every year you learn something that you didn't see the year before. You know, I was that I can testify to that. I've read things many, 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 many times. And then just the next time I'll read it and I'll be like, oh, because you didn't see it before. Yeah. Or you didn't put it together with something else because maybe you're studying the book of Matthew right now. And then you go back through Torah portions and you see something that, you know, pops up in the Torah portion, which, um, like tonight, there's something that I'm going to show everybody that lines up with what's stated in Luke. Um, but things like that, you'll see things in the Old Testament that you may not have understood because you hadn't read it in the context of what's going on in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Like when, when Yeshua or Jesus quotes something, you're like, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> but then you see it in the Old Testament, you're like, okay, now I see why he said that. You know what I mean? Right. And you, you'll do personal studies. Like you can you can go and study whatever you want during the week and everything, but every week we we do something that's structured. And it's good to have your own personal studies. It's good to go out there and search. Yes. You know, like I, like I was trying to show you about being scattered. That's a good one. That's a good one. It gives you some kind of identity who you are. Bird, do you have e-swords? Hold on. Is he still on there? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he's muted. He probably does. I, um, he's got swords and stuff. I don't think I showed him e sword because I'm not completely familiar how to work that because I'm computer. Me, me and Dustin are going to have to go do a tutorial one night with everyone on how to use e sword correctly on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't like. <laughs> I was showing Bird like to do a study uh, using the Strong's Concordance. If you want to look up the word "scattered," type in "scattered" and go through all the verses, yep. and then pick up the verses that is talking about the same thing. You know, that's how I. That's sometimes that's how I study. Word studies are key. Yeah, because you can separate. Okay, these guys were just don't play. You know, they had some scattered breadcrumbs over here, but they're being. Scared all the nations over here you know what i'm saying yep. and you can and then you it's easier to line those verses up going wow isaiah jeremiah you know they're, they're talking about the same thing yep john you know and ezekiel and you can you can make that connection and put them all together good way to study so all right yeah. Y'all will meet Bird one day. I guarantee it. We'll all be doing Sukkoth one day. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. We're going to start in Leviticus chapter 12. We well, you know the more you read the Bible, the bigger the group goes. That's right. That's why Ezra read it aloud. All right. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 12. So the Lord spoke to Moses, tell the Israelites when a woman becomes 
pregnant and gives birth to a male child, she will be unclean seven days, as she is during the days of her menstrual impurity. The flesh of his foreskin must be circumcised on the eighth day. She will continue in purification from her bleeding for 33 days. She must not touch any holy thing or go into the sanctuary until completing her days of purification. But if she gives birth to a female child, she will be unclean for two weeks as she is during her menstrual impurity. She will continue in purification from her bleeding for 66 days. When her days of purification are complete, whether for a son or a daughter, she is to bring to the priest at the tent uh, or at the entrance to the tent of meeting a year old lamb, male lamb for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. He will present them before the Lord and make atonement on her behalf. She will be clean from her discharge of blood. This is the law for a woman giving birth, whether to a male or a female. But if she doesn't have sufficient means for a sheep, she may take two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. Then the priest will make atonement on her behalf and she will be clean. Mary. That's what Mary did. She we're actually, yep. We're going to read about that tonight. <laughs> um, does anyone have an answer like why the female and the male like the difference of why as far as the purification yeah because of a female can give birth to another child i find that very interesting because uh <laughs> scientifically uh females are born with sex hormones and boys are not it's released into their system when the boys when they're about eight nine years old testosterone where girls are born with sex hormones interesting so That would be um, Luke two Luke two twenty two, when the days of her purification according according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Well, I like how you're just skipping the prostitute portion. <laughs> well, no, I I just bringing up something. That's all. Just like... <laughs> we're gonna read that tonight. Yeah, I know, but I'm. <laughs> Because okay, <laughs> now we're because... gonna read it twice, everybody. <laughs> circumcising of the child, his name yeah. was called Jesus or Yeshua or Joshua, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So the angel prophesied. Okay. Wait a second, was that the angel of the Lord? No, it was Gabriel. It was an angel of the Lord. But it says, but was so named of the angel. Yeah. Before he was conceived. It was the angel, but 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 here's another. Okay. Here's a prophecy that the um, now bird and his, his girlfriend, Hannah, they asked me like, did he know? How did he know he was the Messiah? Don't you think his mother would have not told him? His mother told him. Yeah. That well, he was God. Because she was told he, by the angel. That, and also, though, I mean, there was something. He was peculiar. He was peculiar. He, was, he, was, I, he didn't have man's seed. 
They create him. I think you heard a version. I think you heard audible things. You know, instructions. I think he had more because, like, whenever he was in the temple complex when he was twelve or how old he was, you know, he was younger, and his mom said, like, they left him. They came back. He's like, didn't you know I was gonna be in my father's house? So, like, I think he definitely had some. He had more spirit going to most people. He was more connected to God than anyone else ever was. Right. That's just my take, though. I can't back it up, sure, but that's that's why I see it. Yeah, I just, I'm just saying that his mother would have told him, you know, because she was told that she was getting ready to give birth to the Messiah. The one. Oh, yeah. God. I think she was, I mean, I think she would definitely tell him too. Yeah, she would have told him. Plus, they raised him in the way that he should walk. Right. You know, they got, they, and even they, as he was like a kid, because like the wise men came to him when he was when he was just born. So other people outside of his life were going to be saying he was even from back then. You know what I mean? Like if the wise men knew people when he was one, two, three, four years old, knew at the same time, and they were probably raising him too, along with his mom. That's right. Yep. And so also, what was I going to say? Um, he always kept that, I think that childlike faith that we're supposed to have. So, you know, like when you're a kid, you know, like, you know, you hear a lot of times like a supernatural things happening, like kids can see things that people can't normally see. I don't think he didn't, he never lost that childlike oh, faith. And so he was able to see things and do things we couldn't do because he never lost that. You know, he was always closer to the father in that way versus us. We get, indoctrinated into this world and we start falling away from it right it's one could argue that we get disconnected because we sin and he never sinned that too that too that's a good point you know i just find it so odd that that here here we have mary going through the days of her purification Yeshua, Jesus is here, you know, and she's still offering the, you know, the, the purifying um, sacrifice, you know, of two turtle doves or whatnot. And I would think that there would be something written in the New Testament that says, hey, guys, you don't have to do this no more, you know. I can't remember. There would definitely, there would definitely be written something in the Bible that says you do away with things if it's done away with. Right. Um, that after that after this man dies on the cross, that you won't have to do those things anymore. Yeah, and you saw that they were still going to the temple complex until yeah. it was no more. So they were still doing these things, right. operating until the veil was torn. The temple was torn down. Um, well, the veil was torn. I'm sorry when he died. Yeah, yeah, the veil was torn, but, and then yeah, I'm sorry. Once the temple was destroyed, once the temple was destroyed, then yeah, they didn't go to the temple to do these things no more, as far as purification. And that's what I think me and Dustin have talked about this too in Ezekiel um, 45, when it's talking about the sin sacrifices coming back. 
But I'll talk about this with Matthew Jansen. It's a pure, more of a purification thing. Right. So it's just purifying because obviously we know that sin can never be taken away because of sacrifice. It always had to be because of what Christ did. So it was just more of a purification thing in order to go in the presence of the temple. Right. Also, so, Father. So it doesn't matter if you it oh. doesn't matter if you're in the millennial reign or before the millennial reign. You know, he's already made atonement for that sin. Right. He made atonement even all the way back to Moses' day. They knew that there was going to be a coming Messiah. It was prophesied back then. We go all the way back to Genesis 3.15, and it was prophesied. It's always been prophesied. I find it interesting that the Catholic Church, like what the what they were doing, you know, the the priesthood or whatever, pre-Jesus, um, it just Bird got Right, right over to um, the Catholic Church because I mean I don't know if all of you are aware of this I told Mike about this earlier um, do you know what indulgences were in the Catholic Church yeah it's where they, they prayed to or you paid money to get your family out of purgatory out of hell or, or yeah to, for you, you're paying a price for a sin you know, and then you've got your, you know, rosary and your, your beads, you know, for prayers and atonement and all that. It, they just transferred it all. They moved it right over to the Catholic church, just dropped it right in there. Right. And then Martin Luther left the church and was like, you know, that's, it's one of the, one of the, they didn't take with Martin him. That's Luther, all. the Catholic church. Cause huh? Do you think that two turtle doves and whatever should be still offered for um, purification? What's the Bible say? That's I'll what say it's not about what <laughs> it's not about what we think. It's about what it says. Okay. <laughs> Wait a second. It, it's people still uh, circumcise their children on the eighth day. People right. should still circumcise yes. their children on the eighth day, yes. The reason why is because there's less pain. Yep. Right. Okay. So God Almost knows like created it that God way. knows best of them. That's yeah, fun. he created us that way. He already Exactly. Which I want to I want to state one thing. You had talked about um there would be some sort of prophecy or something like that stating that or stating that something would be done away with. Well, if you read Amos three seven, it exactly says that. For the master Yahweh does no matter unless he reveals it or reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. If you right. can't find a prophecy that states X, Y, Z will happen in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, then your theology in the New Testament does not line up with Scripture. Well, it says in um, Hebrews uh, 1, 1, it says in sundry times he speaks to us through his to his servants, the prophets, but mm -hmm. in these last days, or 12, or one, two, I'm sorry, but in these last days, he speaks to us through his son. Mm -hmm. But they have the same message. Yeah, they have the same message. But see, yeah. even that, even I can argue that that's still done in, <laughs> even that's still done uh, or, or come to fruition because of what was prophesied by Moses. Yeah. Yahweh your Elohim shall raise up for you a prophet like me from the midst of your brothers. Listen to him. Then he goes on to say, I shall raise up for them a prophet like you. This is 
the father speaking to Moses, I shall raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, out of the midst of their brothers, and I shall put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him, and it shall be the man who does not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I require it of him. Right. The words which he will speak in my name. Mm -hmm. His words, but he's going to speak them in his name. So the prophets, see, people try to take Hebrews 1, 2, and they twist it around saying, well, see, Jesus is preaching something different. Well, <laughs> if Jesus is going to speak the words in his name, then all the prophets spoke the same words in his name. The Most word of the Lord. Said the word of the Lord it says the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Some people like to say that the word of the Lord is a preexistent Yeshua. So now we have a problem if he's teaching something different than the prophets, because then you got the word of the Lord saying something to these prophets. And then he comes along and says something different. So let's go back to Martin Luther then. Right. Was he teaching something different than the Catholic church? He took yeah. all but two doctrines away. And he translated he, it into layman's. He took it. He took indulgence. He didn't take indulgences and purgatory. Those two doctrines he left. He left. He took everything else from the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. hmm. I mean, so that really changed the way people looked at things. <clears throat> well, it didn't change that much. Not not a whole lot of people left the Catholic Church. <laughs> but that's, that's where we get all these. No one prays to Mary anymore, but them. And yeah, that that too. That's the uh, the. Uh, that's right. Um, and there's certainly not as much uh, not Mary pray, praying to the saints and uh, the the um, the sacraments are actually his blood and his body, whereas in transubstantiation. the transubstantiation. Yeah, that word. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. So there's there's subtle little differences, but for the most part, I mean, we're we're still we're still parading around with giant crosses, giant crosses and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. hmm. I was showing Bird that you know you had that one that one universal church, which I believe that's the church that Paul was speaking of. That upon my departure, ravenous wolves will not spare the flock. So you had that one universal church. And then this book is church history. Before, it was a great schism where it separates into Eastern Orthodox and Western Catholicism. And then out of there comes the Lutherans. And out of that comes all the other Protestant churches. So... Wow. The Catholics are protest to be over. We actually what they they freaking go ahead. Sorry, they uh they got an answer for everything. I can tell you that. Like, I had questions mm -hmm. growing up learning the stuff, and they answered my questions, and it made me feel like that was the truth. You know what I'm saying? But now oh, yeah. that I now that I know the truth, like it's right there in front of your face, like the monstrance where they put the Eucharist, it's literally a sun. Like you're you're worshiping the sun, man. <laughs> you go in there for for adoration where you're supposed to be 
adoring Christ, and you shouldn't be even doing that because, like, he says, don't worship me, worship my father. So you shouldn't even be in there worshiping him in the first place. And then he's he's in the monstrance. It looks like the sun. It, it's literally the sun. It's like, man, they got to answer for everything, though, man. Like, they, they'll, they'll talk a good talk. That's why they change. I will say um, Jesus never was like against worshiping him. He never, when they, when the disciples did worship him, he never told them to stop. I will say that. I don't think there's an issue with uh, like paying homage or, or, or revering Christ Messiah. I don't. I don't, I don't think there's an issue with that because if if you're doing that, first of all, if, if God anointed him, right, made him, he is the guy right now, just as back in, uh, like we're reading in Leviticus now, Moses was the guy. If you rejected Moses, you rejected God Almighty. Cora. If you reject if you reject Christ, you reject God Almighty. So Cora. when you're paying reverence to him, you know, you're mm-hmm. it's it's you're 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 paying the respect to him in the authority of God. So worshiping Messiah like that, you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes well, sense. He came because to show how to worship the Father. Right. Okay. And what they were doing is they were they were giving him honor because they knew that he was the Messiah that was speaking in the name of the Father. It's no different than the angel coming down to Joshua and Joshua saying, what does my, and he bowed down. What does my Lord ask, ask of thee? He wasn't talking to the angel as his Lord. He was talking to Yahweh. What does my Lord, he was asking the angel, what did Yahweh send you for? Yeah. Yeah. And also same for Lot when he got down because, um, they're not worshiping like the the flesh. They're worshiping the authority. I'll tell you yeah, what I do disagree with in in regards to uh, what Bird was talking about. That statue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's no bueno. All of the the stuff like that, like that's you don't bow down to a statue. You don't bow down to any depiction. Of yeah, yeah. Heard, uh, got, got a crucifix up there in the middle. They got a big crucifix, and then on each side they got a they got a bust of Mary and a bust of Joseph on both sides of it. Mm-hmm. So when you're praying up there, you're praying to all three of them, really. <laughs> it's like right in front of your face, man. And I never knew it. Orthodox is they've got a uh, the saints are all over the place, like out in the middle of the room like yeah you walk weird. In there and, and pray to saints to the it never did make sense to me that you pray to somebody else to pray to jesus to pray to god like mm-hmm. just go right to the man <laughs> i never understood There's one that god and one mediator between man and that is christ jesus yeah it felt weird trying to do that i never prayed to a saint because i was like you got to pick a confirmation saint when you join the church. You got to try and be like that saint. But why don't you try to be like Christ? <laughs> That's what Christ yeah. said. Follow me. Why, why you got to be like a saint? 
That's crazy. All right, yeah. we're gonna go ahead. So we're gonna go on to thirteen now. <laughs> the thirty-minute rabbit trail. Oh, <laughs> um, this one's about skin diseases. What do we do with the lepers? <clears throat> it says the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. When a person has a swelling, scab, or spot on the skin of his body, and it becomes a disease on the skin of his body, he is to be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priests. The priest will examine the infection on the skin of his body. If the hair in the infection has turned white and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a skin disease. After the priest examines him, he must pronounce him unclean. But if the spot on the skin of his body is white and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and the hair in it has not turned white, the priest must quarantine the infected person for seven days. The priest will then re-examine him on the seventh day. If he sees that the infection remains unchanged and has not spread on the skin, the priest must quarantine him for another seven days. The priest will examine him again on the seventh day. If the infection has faded and has not spread on the skin, the priest is to pronounce him clean. It is a scab. The person is to wash his clothes and will become clean. But if the scab spreads further on his skin, after he has presented himself to the priest for his cleansing, he must present himself again to the priest. The priest will examine him, and if the scab has spread on the skin, then the priest must pronounce him unclean. He has a skin disease. When a skin disease develops on a person, he is to be brought to the priest. The priest will examine him. If there is a white swelling on the skin that has turned the hair white, and there is a patch of raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic disease on the skin, his body, and the priest must pronounce him unclean. He need not quarantine him, for he is unclean. But if the skin disease breaks out all over his body so that it covers all the skin of the infected person from, head, from his head to his feet, so far as the priest can see, the priest will look, and if the skin disease has covered his entire body, he is to pronounce the infected person clean. Since he has turned totally white, he is clean. But whenever raw flesh appears on him, he will be unclean. When the priest examines the raw flesh, he must pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean. It is a skin disease. But if the rash, a raw flesh changes and turns white, he must go to the priest. The priest will examine him, and if the infection has turned white, the priest must pronounce the infected person clean. He is clean. When a boil appears on the skin of one's body and it heals, and a white swelling or a reddish-white spot develops where the boil was, the person must present himself to the priest. The priest will make an examination, and if the spot seems to be beneath the skin and the hair has not turned white, the priest must pronounce him unclean. It is a skin disease that has broken out in the boil. But when the priest examines it, if there is no white hair in it and it is not beneath the skin but is faded, the priest must quarantine him seven days. If it spreads further on the skin, the priest must pronounce him unclean. It is an infection. But if the spot remains where it is and does not spread, it is only the scar from the boil. The priest is to pronounce him clean. When there is a burn on the skin of one's body produced by fire, and the patch made raw by the burn becomes reddish white or white, the priest is to examine it. If the hair in the spot has turned white and the spot appears to be deeper than the skin, it is a skin disease that has broken out in the burn. 
the priest must pronounce him unclean. It is a skin disease. But when the priest examines it, if there is no white hair in the spot and it is not beneath the skin but is faded, the priest must quarantine him seven days. The priest will re-examine him on the seventh day. If it is spread further on the skin, the priest must pronounce him unclean. It is a skin disease. But if the spot has remained where it was and has not spread on the skin but is faded, it is the swelling from the burn. The priest is pr to pronounce him clean, for it is only the scar from the burn. When a man or woman has an infection on the head or chin, the priest must examine the infection. If it appears to be deeper than the skin and the hair in it is yellow and sparse, the priest must pronounce the person unclean. It is a scaly outbreak, a skin disease of the head or chin. When the priest examines the scaly infection, if it does not appear to be deeper than the skin and there is no black hair in it, the priest must quarantine the person with the scaly infection for seven days. The priest will re-examine the uh, infection on the seventh day. If the scaly outbreak has not spread and there is no yellow hair in it, and it does not to appear to be deeper than the skin, the person must shave himself, but not shave the scaly area. When the priest must then the priest must quarantine the person who has the scaly outbreak for another seven days. The priest will examine the scaly outbreak on the seventh day, and if it has not spread on the skin and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, the priest has pronounced the person clean. He is to wash his clothes and he will be clean. But if the scaly outbreak spreads farther on the skin of, after his cleansing, the priest is to examine the person. If the scaly outbreak has spread on the skin, the priest does not need to look for yellow hair. The person is unclean. But is, if, as far as he can see, the scaly outbreak remains unchanged and black hair has grown on it, then he is healed, or he has healed, he is clean. The priest is to pronounce the person clean. When a man or a woman has white spots on the skin of the body, the priest is to make an examination. If the spots on the skin of the body are dull white, it is only a rash that has broken out on the skin. The person is clean. If a man loses the hair of his head, he is bald, but he is clean. <laughs> or if he loses the hair at his hairline, he is bald on his forehead, but he is clean. But if there is a reddish white infection on the bald head or forehead, it is a skin disease breaking out on the head or on his head or forehead, the priest is to examine him, and if the swelling of the infection on his bald head or forehead is reddish white, like the appearance of a skin disease on his body, the man is afflicted with a skin disease, he is unclean. The priest must pronounce him unclean. The infection is on his head. The person afflicted with an infectious skin disease is to have his clothes torn and his hair hanging loose. He must cover his mouth and cry out, unclean, unclean. He will remain unclean as long as he has the infection. He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp. If a fabric is contaminated with mildew in wool or linen fabric, in the warp or woof of linen or wool, or in leather or anything made of leather, and if the contamination is green or red in the fabric, the leather, the warp, the woof, or any leather article, it is a mildew contamination and it is to be shown to the priest. The priest is to examine the contamination and quarantine the contaminated fabric for seven days. The priest is to re-examine the contamination on the seventh day. If it has spread in the fabric, the warp, the woof, or the leather, regarding or regardless of how it is used, the contamination is harmful mildew. It is unclean. He is to burn the fabric, the warp or wolf, or in wool or linen, 
or any leather article which is contaminated. Since it is harmful mildew, it must be burnt up. When the priest examines it, if the contamination has not spread in the fabric, the warp or wolf or any leather article, the priest is to order whatever is contaminated to be washed and quarantined for another seven days. After it has been washed, the priest is to re-examine the contamination. If the appearance of the contaminated article has not changed, it is unclean. Even though the contaminated or contamination has not spread, you must burn up the fabric. It is a fungus on the front or back of the fabric. If the priest examines it and the contamination has faded after it has been washed, he must cut the contaminated section of the fabric, the leather, or the warp, warp or wolf. But if it reappears in the fabric, the warp or wolf, or any leather article, it has broken out again. You must burn out whatever is contaminated. But if the contamination disappears from the fabric, the warp or wolf, or any leather article which have been washed, it is to be washed again and it will be clean. This is the law containing or concerning a mildew contamination in wool or linen fabric, warp or wolf, or any leather article in order to pronounce it clean or unclean. That's a tongue twister. <laughs> I wonder that's why we deal with um, so much skin affliction today. What do you mean? Like eczema, bumps, all sorts of stuff. Because we don't do that. Because you're not Sorry, being boss. by a priest. Sorry, boss. I have a bump today. I can't come in for seven days. I can't come in for seven days until the priest examines it and says I'm clean. Well, <laughs> I think the mixed fabrics, too, are really bad for us. You heard Anna. All in it is... Pollution has no, a lot of sure. That's all I'm saying. Pollution, chemicals, everything. Diet, processed foods. Chemtrails. Definitely the chemtrails. I was going to say the only uh, oh, mixed God. fabric that he's concerned about is uh, wool and linen. Mm-hmm. Don't mix wool and linen. That's like combustible, isn't it? No. Hmm? That I don't know. Combustible? Is it going to explode? Uh, look it up. <laughs> no, I think it is. Oh my gosh. As I'm now. not joking. I mean, if so, then maybe God really does does make I'm, stuff because I he's concerned about to us try not dying. <laughs> As of now. Uh, I'd say, well, I know that the linen is the whole point of the linen and the commands for wearing the linen, which was given to the priest, was so that you don't sweat. Because this goes back to what we were talking about with the purification and the unclean and all that stuff. Your sweat renders you unclean. Your, um, you know, sorry for any kids in the room. Um, when you have an expulsion of semen, it renders you unclean. Both you and your partner that you have done the, the bodily fluid exchange with, <laughs> it renders you unclean. This is why we see before, um, you know, God spoke to them in Exodus 20. They were to purify themselves for three days prior. And this included not being intimate with a woman because it would render you unclean. You were to abstain from these things. And this is where uh, even Paul speaks of, uh, you know, not uh, denying yourself from your partner and your partner not denying themselves, except for, you know, a time, you know, for whether it be for prayer or fasting or a season which we can include uh, 
like with Passover and stuff like that, like the feasts. Yeah, with with, with with feasts, like you you abstain from these things to make sure that when you appear, because um, again, I still think that he's coming that's back what, during Passover. So, I, especially you know, three year. Do what? Especially three times of year and not on the Sabbath. Yeah, I would agree with that. You have the Passover meal, um, you have Pentecost, and then you have uh, the Feast of Booths. And this was the whole leprosy thing was for a cleanliness thing for going to the temple, wasn't it? I, th I think it was in general, but yes, you couldn't, I, I would say that you wouldn't be able to go to the well, temple. Well, I mean, yeah, because they're going you know, around a community of people. You yeah, know, you got everyone walking you around. Would, you you can't just go up to them. Yeah, yeah, spreading it because then they, someone might be walking in the temple and not realize they have it, and boom, they're dead, laying on the ground. Yeah, this is how quarantine should have been done with the, you know, the pandemic that we had not too long ago. <laughs> if you're sick, I mean, man, just just stay away for seven days. You know, I mean, they did fourteen days. It, it doesn't mean that I have to wear a mask, and it doesn't mean you have to wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> just stay away <laughs> you be over there <laughs> just saying anyhow <laughs> um yeah but so with the linen it was they were commanded to wear the, the linen because it uh drastically reduces the your your sweat production so and this is why um you see the sin sacrifices being done when the kingdom comes down during the millennial reign. These things will still be going on. And it's not to say that, you know, I don't, it, it, it's very well possible that um, during the millennial reign that each individual um, group of people, you know, that everything that is stated in the Torah where it talks about the when or like the first seven books or first seven chapters of Leviticus where it talks about the sacrifices for sin, stuff like that, and other sacrifices. When you do something unknowingly or anything like that, that you would still offer these sin sacrifices. But that's not what ultimately uh washes you clean. It will be uh Messiah. But the sacrifices for purification, stuff like that are considered sin sacrifices it doesn't mean that it's sinful in the fact that you know you don't go have you know intimate relations with your wife because it renders you unclean which is a sin god literally told us to be fruitful and multiply so it's not saying don't do that it's just saying that you're not going to be in the presence of god when you're unclean for these things does it make it bad? Again, no. He said, be fruitful and multiply. It is a beautiful thing, and he created it for the purpose of repopulation. But <laughs> we don't see angels doing these things. This is why the angels that came down and had intercourse with women on earth were exiled and were cast into Tartarus. <laughs> because that's not what they're supposed to be doing. That was not something that was given to them. It was given to human beings only. That's not something that goes on in um, heaven. So, yeah, just my little side rant, I guess. 
<laughs> Somebody else speak now. <laughs> All right, now everyone's eyes are glazed over. You may continue. I think uh, you pretty much covered it, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing more. else to say. But wait, there's but more. There's more. <laughs> yeah, they never about people having like fevers or nothing like that. Did they? Do what? They don't talk about people having like a fever or sickness like that. You you can put the wool and the linen together in a zitzit though. That sounds um, like Judaism. I would say that if he says do not wear mixed fabrics of wool and linen, that you don't mix fabrics of wool and linen and put them on your body. I don't make mine from wool or linen, though. I make mine with paracord. They last twice as long. Three, four, five times as long. All right. Now we're going to Second Kings. Oh, and I didn't realize that this entered twice. So, you know, it says Second Kings 5, 1 through 14. We're going to cover that anyways. We're going to read Second Kings 4, 42 through 5, 19. <laughs> I should pay attention when I'm doing this. Four forty-two. It says a man from Baal Shalishah came to the man of God with his sack full of twenty loaves of barley bread from the first bread of the harvest. Elisha said, "Give it to the people to eat." But Elisha's attendant asked, "What am I to set twenty loaves before one hundred men to give it to the people to eat?" Elisha said, "For this is what the Lord says." They will eat and they will have some left over. So he gave it to them. And as the Lord had promised, they had some left over. That should make y'all. Should make you yeah. like another instance. Hey, Daddy. It's almost like a. <laughs> you said Elijah. Hey, Daddy. Yeah, Elisha, the predecessor to Elijah. Yeah, I know. Um. um King James doesn't even say it. You say the King James doesn't say I that? I guess it doesn't say Elijah. No. What is it? It says, and there came a man from from Baal, and then it's got a slash uh, Shalisha, and brought the man yeah, of God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But Elisha, spelled E L I S C A E L I S H A. But down here it's Sha Elisha, and it's not even capitalized. And it's got Baal before it. 
That's weird. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Yeah, I'm looking at the King James now. Yeah, it specifically says in verse 43, and his servitor, but it's talking about Elisha. If you go up um, to 38, verse 38, yeah. it says uh, Elisha. That's it now. They must have just not put it in there. But um, yeah, which I didn't put this in the uh, portion. Well, I'll read it just for reference. Matthew 14. We'll start about Verse 15, it says, when evening came, the disciples approached him and said, this is the place, or this place is a wilderness, and it is already late. Send the crowds away so they can go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Yeshua told them. You give them something to eat. But we only have five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. Bring them here to me, he said. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the, cra- on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was filled. Then they picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces, and those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Yep. Good connection. All these signs... Yeah, so all these signs, um, all they had to do was pay attention. If they knew, they knew the Tanakh as well as they had claimed, they would know that he was the Messiah, or that he was the prophet spoken of about by Moses. But all right, now we're gonna read about Naaman. I like this passage for many reasons. <clears throat> Naaman. Commander of the army of the king of Aram was a great man in his master's sight and highly regarded be- because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was a brave warrior, but he had a skin disease. Aram had gone on raids and brought back from the land of Israel a young girl who served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would go to the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his skin disease. So Naaman went and told his master what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Therefore, the king of Aram said, Go, and I will send a letter with you to the king of Israel. So he went and took with him about 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 changes of clothes. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, and it read, When this letter comes to you, note that I have sent you my servant Naaman for you to cure him of his skin disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and asked, Am I God, killing and giving life, that this man expects me to cure a man of his skin disease? Think it over, and you will see that he is only picking a fight with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel tore his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Have him come to me, and he will know there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. Then Elisha sent him a messenger who said, Go, wash seven times in the Jordan, 
and your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. But Naaman got angry and left, saying, I was telling myself, he will surely come out, stand and call on the name of Yahuwah his God, and will wave his hand over the spot and cure the skin disease. Aren't Abana and Parfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and left in rage. But his servants approached and said to him, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more should you do if, when he tells you, or do it if he tells you, wash and be clean? So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, according to the commandment, or the command of the, of the man of God. Then his skin was restored and became like the skin of a small boy, and he was clean. Then Naaman and his whole company went back to the man of God, stood before him, and declared, I know there's no God in the whole world except in Israel. Therefore, please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, I stand before him. I will not accept it. Naaman urged him to accept it, but he refused. Naaman responded, If not, please let your servant be given as much soil as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will no longer offer a burnt offering or a sacrifice to any other god but Yahuwah. However, in a particular matter, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master, the king of Aram, goes into the temple of Ramon to worship, and I, as his right-hand man, bow in the temple of Ramon. When I bow in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. So he said to him, go in peace. I want to say... This is where I think faith, your faith heals you, right? Your faith in God. Yeah. Because at first he was angry, doubting, and the servants came up to talk to him. But he had enough faith to go and dip himself seven times, right? To believe it. And then the guy in um, Israel, right, King of Time, well, this goes back to the Pharisees. He's like, who am I? Like, I can't heal him because he didn't understand how faith worked. Because he was just doing it because he was just doing it, is what I would see it. So it's about to, the ones that killed the prophets. I definitely think it was about to pay. Yeah. Like he said, there's other clean waters. Can't I go to them? Surely these are clean. Yeah. And you want me to go to the Jordan of all places? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be faced. Does it not do? Just go to the Jordan, wash seven times, away with you. <laughs> because why would why would they was it him or is a high priest of Israel? Why was why would he tear his clothes if he knew he was coming if he understood how the faith worked healing? So I was just like, um he's like over here like, Oh yeah, I understand it. Come here, come come this way. I don't believe it was literally just because Yeshua asked them when he was healing them, he said, you know, do you believe I can do this? They said, yes. And it was always the faith that healed the people of the thing. Just like the one was like, don't come, you know, um, I'm a man. It's over other men. Man, be quiet. And he's like, you can't come near me or like come to my home or something like that. He's like, just say the words and, you know, my daughter be healed or served. I can't remember. And he's like, I've not seen such a great faith in all of Israel. 
because the man said, just say the words, and I know they'll be healed. Just say the words. Because that's how strong his faith was, that he could heal him, you know? Anyways, I just want to bring that up. I like talking about the healing stuff. That's why I think laying hands and stuff on it, I don't think it's like a, we're healing anybody, we're doing it. God's healing them because they have faith, doing things because of their faith. And sometimes you don't get healed. It's just way it, it is. glorifies the Father. Like, he uses that. I do believe in that. Like, people can lay their hands on people and heal people. And what it does is strengthens the faith of everybody involved in that situation. You know? I've, I've actually was, um, not going to get the whole thing, but I've seen something like that one day where we pray with the person, and I don't believe it was us healing that person. I believe it was the Father healing that person, and it had to be with their faith. Because he always asked him, like, do you, because, you know, I said, do you believe in laying his hands? And they're like, yes. Okay. Then you, then obviously you believe the Father can heal you. So, next day, they were 90% better. I don't know how, anyway, or a couple days later, the next day, I can't remember. I can't explain that. I can't explain it. Is that God doing it? Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles. 26. 16 through, I'll, I'll go ahead and read through 23. Uh, but when he had, when he became strong, he grew arrogant and it led to his own destruction. He acted unfaithfully against the Lord his God by going into the Lord's sanctuary burn incense on the incense altar as the priest along with 80 brave priests of the Lord went in after him they took their stand against King Uzziah and said Uzziah you have no right to offer incense to the Lord only the consecrated priests the descendants of Aaron have the right to offer incense leave the sanctuary for you have acted unfaithfully you will not receive honor from the Lord your God Uzziah, with a fire pan in his hand, or yeah, with a fire pan in his hand to offer incense, was enraged. But when he became enraged with the priests, in the presence of the priests in the Lord's temple beside the altar of incense, a skin disease broke out on his forehead. Then Azariah, the priest or the chief priest, and all the priests turned to him and saw that he was diseased on his forehead. They rushed him out of there. He himself also hurried to get out because the Lord had afflicted him. So King Uzziah was diseased to the time of his death. He lived in quarantine with a serious skin disease and was excluded from access to the Lord's temple. While his son Jotham was over the king's household governing the people of the land. Now the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, wrote about the rest of the events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end. 
Uzziah rested with his fathers, and he was buried with his fathers in the burial ground of the king's cemetery, for they said he has a skin disease. His son Jotham became king in his place. And now we're going to Isaiah chapter 29. <laughs> It'll be 17 through 24. It says, isn't it true that in just a little while, Lebanon will become an orchard and the orchard will, orchard will seem like a forest. On that day, the deaf will hear the words of a document and out of a deep darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. The humble will have joy after joy in the Lord, and the poor people will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless one will vanish, the scorner will disappear, and all those who lie in wait with evil intent will be killed. Those who, with their speech, accuse a person of wrongdoing, who set a trap at the gate for the mediator, and without cause deprive the righteous of justice. Therefore, the Lord who redeemed Abraham says this about the house of Jacob. Jacob will no longer be ashamed, and his face will no longer be pale. But when he sees his children, the work of my hands with his, within his nation, they will honor my name. They will honor the Holy One of Jacob and stand in awe of the God of Israel. Those who are confused will gain understanding, and those who grumble will accept instruction. Ooh. You shall learn the doctrine, right? Mm-hmm. Because the they also that erred in the spirit shall come to understanding. Those are the ones that were deceived. I believe those are the ones that will, you know, I'm going to just put the staff there. Those are the ones that are, that are in Isaiah 2 3 and Micah 4 2 come up to the mountain of the house of house, the mountain of the Lord to the house of God of Jacob to learn his ways. Mm -hmm. How merciful is God? I've never seen that verse before. You've never seen it? Not, not 24, 29, 24. It shows his mercies. Those who grumble will receive instruction. Mm -hmm. Also, there you go again. I know for a fact, uh, Jimmy knows a lot more of the Bible than what I do. And core portions, you know, when you have a structured event like this, you see stuff that you typically wouldn't see. <laughs> I mean... That just shows how merciful Yahweh is. You know, most of Christianity is like, like my wife believes, you know, they're like, Jesus comes back, it's over with. If you're not with Jesus, you're like, you're, you're dead. 
you're going to hell. And I'm like, that's not what verse 24 says. It says, they also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding, and they that murdered shall learn doctrine. You know, I mean, you're going to have to learn it. So that takes a little bit of time. And that's after, I do believe this is my name. Um, but when he seeth his children, the work of mine hands in the midst of them, they shall sanctify my name and sanctify the Holy One of Jacob and shall fear the God of Israel. So that's let me know that he's back. You know, that's after Yeshua puts his feet back down in my side. My side. The whole Bible lines up. Yes, sir. I don't know more than you, Dustin. <laughs> you got to. You definitely got a lot more of the Bible uh, memorized than me. Let's not say that. Um. <laughs> no, man, we're all equal in here. Yeah, we're, we're all, all equal, but. You still got more of the Bible memorized than me, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, that just gives me that gives me a goal. It is totally fine because it gives me a goal. Because one day, yeah, I will have more memorized than you. <laughs> yeah, how many? Yeah, how many years? Yeah, because I'd be like, oh, you got Alzheimer's. He <laughs> don't remember Jack. <laughs> yeah, when the day you start getting Alzheimer's, I'd be like, I told you. I told you one day I'd know more than you. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, man. With the way the chemtrails are going, we might all have Alzheimer's soon. Yeah. No, but see, how long have you been doing it, Dustin? How long have you been at this? What, tw- I guess 2019. Um, if, if you want to get... As far as Torah goes, yeah. I mean... Oh, four years? Yeah. I'm going yeah. into my... My eighth or ninth year, you know, and you guys are already at speed that took me like six years to get to, you know what I'm saying? Because I didn't have nobody. So that's all I did was sit around and memorize stuff. I would say you guys are right there. July will be four years for us. For us. We were kind of in and yeah. out of it for a year before that, but you are solid. <laughs> Four years in July. I don't think it matters about the years, though. No, it doesn't. No, I mean, it matters. Um, and, and, and unless you're talking about, like, you know, being the overseer of the congregation, then it matters. Yeah. Let him not be a new convert. Well, those verses just get stuck in your head. Just no different than, than a uh, lyrics of a song, you know? That's yeah. like I, I can say things like we'll be talk I'll be talking to someone like yeah but it says this somewhere in there and I'll go find it <laughs> yeah because I'm like not. it says it's somewhere over here in this book or I'm like I think it says it's somewhere over here and I'm gonna go find it real quick I'll get back to you yeah I'll still do that from time to time I'll I know I know what it says I just can't remember the exact I'm Bird. that way with Paul's writings I can I can spout off Paul's writings pretty good but yeah. I can't tell you where they're at. And you just then you just then you just Google it and the verse comes up. I'm like, oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> yeah. I would say some of my favorite memory 
verses is like um, Romans 8, Romans 3, um, John 10, Matthew 5, Matthew yeah. 7. Um, all, there's a whole bunch in the Old Testament. I mean, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 7 8. There's lots of them. Revelations 14 12. A lot of Paul's and almost the entire book of Ezekiel. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ezekiel, man. I love Ezekiel. Yeah. I got I got one for you, by the way, Micah. When he talks about uh underlining the way. This is actually right after Isaiah, what we just read, Isaiah 30 20, and it says, Though Yahweh gave you bread of adversity and water of affliction, your teachers shall no longer be thrust in a corner, but your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the right or whenever you turn to the left. What verse is that again? I'm gonna go highlight that right now. <laughs> that's why that's why Yeshua says, uh, is coming in, in the time and now is that my sheep will hear, hear my voice. Yep. And we are his sheep, and then we can't be ripped out of his hands. And that voice that we hear is that the comforter that he sends, that spirit that he's promised us, that he would send that spirit to help us, guide us into all truth. Every time you see a brother or sister that's true in the faith walk into it, it's rejoicing because you're like it's ha- you're happy to see another one come. It's like he's bringing them back, his sheep back, and you're always happy to hear about it. It's like my brother Bird. Yeah, it's a rejoicing thing. Because we're we're always excited about newcomers because it's it's uh they're coming back to the fold, you know they're coming back. They were. Probably already hand selected by the father. You know, these are my my children right here. They're gonna come back to me eventually. You know, I told I told Bird that I've talked to, you know, a good many people, and we have we have we have a lot of the same friends. And I've had them to the house. I've talked to them about the Bird, but Bird, huh? You know, he's he wants to share the truth with with his family. So, you know, he knows it's the truth. Yeah, man. Speaking of that, I talked to my mom about Job today when she came over. She about cried when I told her all that. Did you show it all uh, there? Yeah, man. She was so, like, shook. She didn't even know what to say about that. I was like, man, they did you dirty. You showed her the truth. Yeah, man. You want to hear some bird? I'll give you a little testimony. You know, the first person that I actually got to witness to that was outside of my wife that ended up coming in was my mother. Really? Mm-hmm. Where she started going back to God's commandments. She's in here right now. Yeah. Say hi, Mary. She always believed in God. She always believed in Christ. <laughs> but that, I remember the day when I looked at her and I said, and this is the one thing that caught her, was after some... Weird stuff happened. I'm not gonna tell the whole story right now, but um, I remember walking out and telling her. I said, "Mom, there was no New Testament when Jesus was speaking." It's like it wasn't around, and that's what got her thinking. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that gets you thinking. <laughs> but she always taught me about God, though, growing up, talking about Christ. I mean, she taught me a lot of things that kind of helped me along the way. And then 
I end up in return got to help her back. My father used both of us to help each other. So that first is Second Timothy three fifteen. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. This wasn't scripture. This is a letter to Timothy. Yep. It's amazing how God the, works. Um, Mike, Mike is the one who baptized me. Mm-hmm. No, I it, preached to you, but you didn't listen to it. No, you're the, you're the <laughs> one that you're the one the Father uses to bring me in. You're the one. That's how it works. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Yeah. I know he used because all my years, my mom was the one that talked to me about God mostly. And then my dad is the one later on ended up becoming on fire for God and preaching to me all the time then. And then next thing you know, I mean, for a year, there was a, a year before I came to like actually following it. I was kind of a couple times where we like when my daughter was born, we were eating clean and keeping Sabbath. And I was back in like a year before that, 2018. And then um, we ended up going out of it. We'd find a verse. Oh, we don't have to do that. Right. And so it, I, I say it was more false conversion at that point. But then there was a moment it's on the back porch, my dad, a bar, at, you know, little barbecue's having. I remember I was standing at the, by the grill and everything. When it hit me, I can still image my dad standing and everything, how it was taking place. And it was like a brick wall of just dominoes just falling in place. Like everything started to click in my brain. And then that's when I realized I was like, that's the truth. I was, I was like, this has got to be it. This has got to be it. This is the way of like, walking. Yeah, I was like, there's, and I remember <laughs> the first verse that really got me was Matthew 5, um, 17 to 20, when I was really started cracking into my Bible. I was like, how can I deny that? I can't. I remember you calling me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You called me. Like, yep. when you got, they, later on that day, you called me, it's like, he says it right there. Law's not done away with you know you're gonna have that that honeymoon fire in you man and you're always gonna have that fire in you you're gonna defend and you want to fight against all things and you're gonna have to get rejuvenated over and over again because it, it you know, i'm telling you with all of this though it does come with great sorrow too because you're just gonna be talking about to everyone you're gonna be like why can no one hear me why is no one around me hearing what i'm saying right now you'll go talk to a thousand people that just won't hear you, and then one person will end up coming out. And you'd be like, yeah. why can no one hear me? It just, it's going to bother you, I'm telling you. You'll see. And then the worst part is watching you. Like, I had a friend named Daryl, and I brought him, and he disappeared. That's that's sad. Like, that, that hurts me. I hope you know? he's still in it, though. I hope so, but... Like Mike said, you're gonna talk to people. You might get one. I was gonna say, Michael, that's Ecclesiastes one eighteen. Yeah, you might get one or two because the father. It's not a walk for everybody. It will be eventually. (laughs) Yes, you're gonna have no choice. (laughs) 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 But here's the thing. I'm going to say this. He chooses stubborn, pig-headed people because I'm one of those people. 
Yeah. I'm one of those people. I'm stubborn. He chooses people that aren't aren't afraid to go out there and just say it. Not afraid to go talk to people. I will give you one advice though, if you're just coming to all this too, is you know, be very patient and don't come in on hard on people because and don't you're still gonna have to learn how to interact with people on like normal stuff. Because I'm telling you, if you keep going down this road, you'll just eventually, you'll be reading scripture so much that, like, that's all you're going to want to talk about, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think it's if that's where you're really all going to want to talk about scripture day and night with people. And there's a lot of people, they just, they don't want to talk about scripture. They just don't want to hear it. When I, yeah, that's how she is. I could t- get to talking about scripture and then she's just like, all right, it's been three hours. It's enough of that now. Let's watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, I want to talk about it more. <laughs> That's that's the way it is, and you just and that's that fire in you. But you're gonna have to learn, Lena. Be quiet. Yeah, you gotta go to the room. But you you're just gonna have to learn to be very slow with people. And also, there's one thing that could help you out too, get you ahead of the game. Don't share offensive memes. All the offensive memes because (laughs) it just makes everyone angry. If this is one thing you can ask, is this going to start a fight? (laughs) <laughs> is this going to start a fight with people and like it's going to start a fight I probably shouldn't share it because I've done that and I like I shared all sorts of stuff and I was like looking back now my first year I was like I wish I would not done some of those things and also like um, there is going to be times where you are going to fight though like there's people the people you're going to probably be staying up to though eventually is people that are well versed and mm-hmm. they are religious leaders and i'm not just talking about like churchgoers right i'm not talking about churchgoers like just preachers and stuff honestly preachers are probably the easier people to handle like, no, the truth. No. i'm talking about when you when you start coming up against people that are anti-missionaries and stuff like that because you're going to come across those people and i only warn you about this because you need to know about these kind of people because they are very deceptive they can seem like they're on your side but they're not and you got to watch out for them. That's where the real wolves are. But oh, the, yeah. the number one thing, do not bash your family members over the head with the law. With the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I've learned that because it pushed, it pushed my wife away. And we're still, I mean, she's coming around slowly. Yeah, you got to let them come to it, not force them into it, because that's free will. Yes. All you, all they gotta see is the example of how you're living your life, and then they'll go. Hey, Daddy, how are you? you know, you used to do this, but why don't you do that no more? Well, let me show you. This is what I come under the conviction of that when I read right here God's word, and you show them, you know, that I just don't feel like I, I should be doing that. You know, and then just leave it in there, just drop that ball right there in their court like that, and just be like, hey. Let's go get some breakfast, you know? I mean, yeah. You know, <laughs> and they'll wait, like, wait a minute. Yeah, they'll, 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 they'll think about it. They'll think about it. They'll really think about it. Because what I learned dealing with my son, I didn't deal with him the same way I dealt with my, with my wife. I dealt with him differently. That's why when I asked the father to give me my wife, he gave me my son. <laughs> and remember not to, like, 
condemn people too, because the main thing is when you're talking to someone, you know, let the scriptures convict them or condemn them, not you. So if someone asked you something, and, you know, it's a salvational thing, just take them to scripture or say, I don't know. That's a good thing too, is if you don't know the answer to something, just literally tell someone, I don't know, I'll get back to you. Because it's better to say, I don't know, than to make yourself look like a, a and literally, literally, we just read in Isaiah 29-24, which this hasn't happened yet. It says they also that they also that erred in spirit shall come to understanding. And they that murdered mur- murdered, they that murmured shall learn doctrine. So just realize that no matter what happens, God is so merciful that in the in the millennial reign and the people that have passed, we don't know their heart. You know, that's that's up to the master to judge their heart accordingly. So we just want to share the truth of the Bible with them at their, you know, at the pace that God allows us to share it to share, you know, share it with them with, you know, so the truth and the truth, the truth did when the the truth spread, it did get disciples killed and people get very angry about the truth. It's a very true statement. So what was that verse again, Dustin? I just shared it in the group. Okay, thank you. What verse? Isaiah 30, 20, 21. Yeah. Bird's got a good head on his shoulder, guys. He's he's a good young man. I hope that I hope none of that was dude. Just some good, you know, things to know coming into this, you know. Very well put together. Yeah, I did start talking to people like I got on a tangent trying to tell them the earth's flat and all the crap. <laughs> and they, they don't really take kindly to it. So I said, well, maybe I shouldn't start with that. <laughs> Remember, that's just that's just a fun topic, man. That's just a fun one to talk about. You know, people, yeah. some people do come in through that, though. There is people that have come to following God through that, you know, because all avenues lead to the Father, you know. So there's different ways of bringing people in, but that right there is definitely one that's just people start getting really heated. Just say what you gotta say, and it's like, all right, calm down, bro. It's cool. We don't we didn't we disagree on this one, you know. You ain't gotta get mad about it. We're just having a good conversation. It'd be like I guess it's good to tell people like it's not it's not an important like a salvation thing, but I think it is important that you understand how it was created because it, it's like the only thing that he did. You know what I mean? He he made this. He didn't make nothing else. So I think it is important because this is God's work. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't think it's a salvation thing. Like I tell people it's not, but I at least say that it is important. You should know what God did for you. Like it he made it for you, not ever anything else out of like the aliens. <laughs> it helps you yeah. understand where God is, uh where heaven is. Where you go to rest, you know, it just helps you understand the creation model so much better. And it yeah, helps it you puts me at peace knowing where I'm going. Like, yeah, it's not a unknown it, kind of thing. I know where I'm going. <laughs> and it, it also gives you a um, a description of that one character in the Bible that everybody just disregards. 
which is the mother Jerusalem, the new, the kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, it helps you understand that. Yeah, bird. I hope that, like I said, and we can also add you to our, um, our little chat group too. If you'd like you ask questions anytime in there with everyone. I'll get, I'll shoot uh bird's number to you, Micah. You can add them. Yeah, that's um, fine, man. Yeah. Oh, there's a there's a bunch of information in there, Bert. We just fellowship. That's like a little uh, a little personal group that we fellowship with, and we send the Zoom study out there. And we talk through the week, and we even have like little. You might even see people in their debate topics, which just know everyone's good. People just debate. You know, just something we do to kind of refine each other and iron sharpens iron. And we just a lot of times just everybody. fellowship. We we'll share like you know just. <laughs> what's going on in our lives and stuff like that too so yeah i would be horribly bored during the week without that chat group (laughs) (laughs) well dang seth you just need to work a little harder then (laughs) it's fun i'm not gonna lie (laughs) i know you were farming it was tripping me out this morning man (laughs) it was Dan was cracking me up this morning Oh yeah, yeah he's, he's being yeah, funny. He on the on the bacon soda, but yeah, he's he's funny. But hey, whatever. All right, <laughs> we're gonna read Luke. Uh, we'll start in verse twenty-one. Um, Luke two twenty-one. We're almost done with this portion. It says, when the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Yeshua, Jesus, Yeshua, whatever. Uh, The name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord, which is Exodus 3 or 13, 2 and 12. Uh, it actually goes along with what we were just talking about or what we're going through right now, the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Passover Unleavened Bread. Um, every firstborn male is dedicated to the Father. Anyways, um, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been written or had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple complex when the parents brought in the child Yeshua to perform for him what was customary under the law. Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your slave in peace, as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed and a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. 
Amen. I think that's probably one of my favorite verses right there. Yeah. And I'm going to read something. We're going to go to Daniel 9. Because if every other person <laughs> would have just paid attention, they would see this. So Daniel 9, what? Daniel 9, 25 and 26. Or we can read. Yeah, we'll read 24 through 26. <clears throat> it says, 70 weeks are decreed, which that's a whole other topic <laughs> about your people in your holy city to bring the rebellion to an end, to put a stop to sin, to wipe away iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince will be seven weeks and 62 weeks, and it will be rebuilt with a plaza and a moat, but in difficult times. After those 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the coming Prince will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come with a flood, and until the end, there will be war. Now, that right there told you when, and I think this man, Simeon, knew from reading scriptures and had put a calculation on when um, Messiah would be brought forth. And all these people in Israel, Sadducees, Pharisees, laymen, anybody had access to the book of Daniel. And they should have done what Daniel did, uh, which you'll see in the beginning. Of, uh, it's either seven or nine. I think it's nine. Uh, where he goes back <laughs> and reads Jeremiah to see how long they were going to be in exile. And it was determined that it would be uh, 70 years. So, all they had to do was read the book of Daniel and calculate from the issuing of the decree, which was the second temple being rebuilt, uh, which all of that came true because it was built during a troublesome time. You know, they had to put a pause to it because there was many kings that were coming uh, against the process. And then there was a, there were multiple decrees that were made to finish the building of the temple. All that, you can read through that in the book of Ezra. But, yeah, this man, Simeon, probably read his scriptures, and like it says, he's a devout man looking forward to Israel's consolation. And it was probably revealed to him that you will not die until you see this day. And then when he seen Yeshua, he said, now you can dismiss your dismiss your servant or as hcsb says slave servant slave same thing uh, you can dismiss your servant because you've done as you've promised i've seen your messiah i just figured i'd include it in there just because luke 22 or 222 passage and in case you guys didn't know, 
That's that's another prophecy about Messiah. Always good to find prophecies about Messiah. Go ahead, Michael. And also the Holy Spirit came on him and revealed it to him. And he had eyes to see and ears to hear. And the the Pharisees couldn't see him because the spirit was on them. They're they were hardened. They were comfortable. They didn't want they didn't want to lose their positions. So. I that's the main thing. They didn't want to lose their authority. Mm-hmm. And they knew that. Well, they didn't know because they obviously don't understand the Torah. So back in um, Genesis, we can talk about that with strictly authority. Back in Genesis forty-nine. Till Shiloh comes, yeah, forty-nine ten. Yep, forty-nine ten says. The scepter will depart will not depart from Judah or a staff between his feet until he who is right is comes and the obedience of the people belong to him. He ties his donkey to a vine and a colt of his donkey to the choice vine. He washes clothes and the wine of his robes and the blood of grapes. And then we go to Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen. And we see that all authority was taken away from these people. Says, then Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. Bada bing, bada boom. I would say even um, the end of Matthew 21 there. When they answer him about the um, parable of the vineyard or the tenant farmers, they said, they said to him, evil ones, he will bring them to evil destruction and lease the vineyard to other farmers who shall give to him the fruits in their seasons. Yeshua said to them, did you ever or did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was from Yahweh, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Because of this, I say to you, the reign of Elohim shall be taken from you and given to a nation forth, or bringing forth the fruits of it. And he, and he who falls on this stone shall be broken, but on whomever it falls, he shall be pulverized. And we can see uh, example of this uh, authority in Acts 4. Five, it says the next day the rulers and elders and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Ananias the high priest uh, Caiaphas John and Alexander and all of the members of the high priestly family after they had Peter and John stand before them they asked the question by what power or in what name have you done this and then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and said to them Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about good deed done to a disabled man, by what means 
he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified and whom you raised from the man who God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing be here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to the people, and we must be saved by it. Mm. I'll read this last portion, and then won't go on a tangent, probably, like we always do. Um, <laughs> uh, Luke 7, 18-23, it says, Then John's disciples told him about all these things. So John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord, asking, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for someone else? When the men reached him, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask you, are you the one who is to come or should we look for someone else? At that time, Jesus healed many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and he granted sight to many blind people. He replied to them, go and report to John the things you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with skin diseases are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the poor are told the good news. And anyone who is not offended because of me is blessed. And that's Amen. the end of the fourth portion. Amen.